We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2022. That's RVRA. DIO2022. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Hello and welcome to season nine of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. It's the season premiere and we are at February 6th, 2024. So glad to have you aboard again for a ninth straight season, ladies and gentlemen. So good uh, to have Rotoviz and the FFPC on board uh, with this show, a show that I have been uh, very thankful to hook up with um, many uh, uh, talented high stakes player um, over the course of you know, the, the last, um, you know, nine seasons and, and players that you probably don't know a whole lot about, you know, players that, um, you, you, um, know that exist, but you don't know that you're playing against them. And this is the type of show that we like to expose all those players, not expose them, but we like to bring them to the forefront. So you can understand, you know, um, how talented these players are and how you can become a better FFPC player. If you're not familiar with the show, I am Eric Balkman. You know me from the Rotoviz High Stakes, uh, excuse me, the Rotoviz High Stakes, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the Better Sports Network High Stakes Fantasy Football Show, and of course at the FFPC at FFPC on the X. I'm at Eric Balkman on the X, and of course uh, you can follow the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone get the listeners only 10% discount by using the Ro- uh, Rotoviz code. RV Radio 2024, RV Radio 2024. That is what gives you the 10% discount uh, right now to rotoviz.com. Also, if you're looking for some action, 
MyFFPC.com is where to go to play in the never-too-early best ball tournaments. MyFFPC.com is where you want to bang it. These two tournaments are going to go through the NFL draft and conclude on April 25th. Uh, They're going to follow best ball slim rules, no kickers, no defenses, and you're going to have a 20-round draft, 14-week regular season, playoffs, single-week elimination playoffs from weeks 15 through 17, uh, a champion crowning after week 17. Drafts are available with 30-second clocks, 60-second clocks, two-hour clocks, and six-hour clocks. Uh, Take your shot at a $25,000 grand prize with the uh, Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament at a $125 entry fee, or you can enter for $35, take your shot at $10,000 with the Never Too Early Superflex Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament. MYFFPC.com is where to go to sign up for their tournaments. MYFFPC.com is also where to go to pick up some Dynasty Orphan teams, which are available for as little as $1. Yeah, you can manage a 1250 entry fee, $750 entry fee, $500, $250, whatever you want. Some of them are as little as $1 right now to pick up those. Go to MYFFPC.com. If you like playing, uh, playing fantasy football every single day of the year, that is where you want to go to pick up some Dynasty Orphan teams right now. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on it, uh, share it with your friends and enemies, and get notified anytime we go live right here on the FFPC YouTube channel, including the FFPC Twitter and the FFPC Facebook. This week, I'm joined by a gentleman who has won 15, count them, one five FFPC League Championships uh, in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. He finished third place overall, in the 2019 FPC, which is a monumental achievement, given that you're going up against thousands upon thousands of teams. Um, I want to welcome him in tonight. You've seen him on this on this show before. You follow him on the X at ship underscore chaser. It is the incomparable Jared Hines. Jared, welcome back to the road of his high stakes slowdown. So good that you're spending this Tuesday evening with me, man. Yeah, thanks, man. It's good to be back. It's uh so so what have you been up to like besides playing in a bunch of leagues since we last touched base, which I think was a little less than two hours ago? You're continuing to crush it, it seems like in the high stakes landscape. I'm trying. Uh you know, I'm I'm still drafting. It's uh first week of February, and you know, as most of us dynasty players, you know, the creed that we live by, it's uh it's a year-round deal. So <laughs> What about uh, yeah. what about um let me ask you this? Um, as a dynasty guy, when does your um scouting begin? Like, have you already been scouting rookies? Do you already have a good handle on all the rookies coming into the season? I know we'll get into this in a little bit, but from a dynasty perspective, do you feel like you have a good handle on it? No, not at all. <laughs> no, none whatsoever. I don't really follow college football. Uh, So as a dynasty player, that's actually a somewhat interesting position to be in. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the split is amongst dynasty players, but you would, I think, sort of assume that most of them follow college fairly closely. I don't. Uh, And so I tend to, you know, I look at a few different pieces of information when I start scouting, which is basically now Uh, Mm -hmm. I look at the wisdom of the crowd. You know, I want to see what the crowd thinks looking at ADP, you know, of course, uh, anytime I'm coming up on the clock or, or thinking about, you know, the rookies that are on the board, I'm going to at least do a cursory dive into their profile here in January and February. But I have to admit that that's not there's not a lot to that. I'm looking for very 
lose traits and I don't have a drop with some of them. I mean, you know, like some of the bigger names, of course, but uh, between now and the NFL draft, uh, you know, that's, that's that key season for me. It's, you know, I'm, I'm going to soak up as much information as I can from a variety of sources. I'm going to do my own research into these guys, probably write a handful of profiles myself and I'll learn, you know, more and more between now and the NFL draft. And then of course the draft itself, you know, that's obviously going to give us a, a ton of information. Do but, you feel I'm, like, go, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I want you to keep continuing this thought. No, I was just going to say that like in the meantime, you know, sitting here drafting right now, it's, uh, I don't want to say it's flying blind, but there's, there's definitely, you know, a research gap there right now. What about, um, you know, cause you, and I've heard this from a lot of high stakes players. They don't follow college football, which I mean, some, players i think that this really behooves uh success like to not follow college football because i feel like sometimes um and i know it works both ways jared sometimes not following college football gives you a fresh perspective on on the rookies sometimes not following college football kind of leaves you a little bit behind you don't follow college football and it seems to be working out for you well, I do think that there's such a thing as as bias that's going to carry over. So those those folks that do follow college football, I, I mean, yeah, like on the one hand, there's going to be that subsample of, of competition that follows college football. They have a good drop on on the landscape, and so you would say that they have an edge up on me in terms of competition. But then there's a whole another group of people that follow college football that are going to carry their bias into the NFL landscape when these players get drafted. And that may or may not be good for them. Uh, I think right. there's, you know, and so for me, I'm like, I'm sitting here, I come from a science background. I, I feel like one of my biggest strengths is the uh, processing of information. And I don't have any allegiance or care whatsoever about any of these college players. It's purely a question of, you know, like, do they kind of fit on my board or not? And and uh, that's, that's sort of a great question to get to, but... Um, there absolutely can be a hindering bias that people that follow college too closely can carry with them. But of course that can be an advantage as well. So for me, not following it as closely, like I said, I try to follow the wisdom of the crowd. I try to, you know, pay attention to people whose opinion I respect and uh, you know, and then, I mean, I've kind of, I think that a lot of my success has been built on the notion of, you know, following my own, intuition and my own mm-hmm. thought process and not trying to you know rely too much on what other people say but i do gather a lot of information from everybody that i can and it might be people that i totally disagree with on almost everything and i'm like hey this is something that I'm, I'm gonna avoid this person because this person likes them or i mean it's not quite that simple but like sometimes the stuff i see is like no no that's a flag i think um you brought up an interesting point because, and, and I, I can't remember if we've ever talked about this, but I know I brought it up on shows in the past. Um, one of the things that I had to get over with um, in, in order to become a better fantasy player was getting out of my own echo chamber and, and opening my mind to things that um, I, I normally would disagree with not, uh, or excuse me, listening to people I previously would not listen to. Um, people that I have kind of like, okay, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This person is is clearly not on the same plane of thinking as I am. Uh, he is wrong or she is wrong and I am right. And 
once I got past that and understood that there's a lot of stuff out there. My mom always says this too. She's like, well, open your mind, but don't open it so far that your brains fall out. And I, I feel like that applies <laughs> to fantasy as well. Right. But I think like, like opening our perspective to people that we normally disagree with, um, uh, processes that we normally disagree with sometimes can improve our own process and and find it down to the point where like oh my goodness now that i have um adjusted or tweaked the way that i play dynasty fantasy football or the way i play regular fantasy football you know redraft fantasy football it's so much better now that i opened my mind up to something that i never would have opened myself up to before it's happened to me i know i've become a better fantasy player for it and jared it sounds like you've done the same well, absolutely, and there there are maybe <clears throat> those players or uh, you know competitors, other fantasy players that I don't agree with their perspective on X, Y, or Z, or, or maybe on a lot of things, right? But I can see their results and that they are successful, and so I kind of have to tell myself, okay, there there's probably something to to learn from this person, or or to you know like what am I, you know, what am I missing here? Because there's clearly, you know, I might. Have, disagree on, on these approaches, but it's working. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's good to challenge yourself. I think that's, that's probably the biggest pitfall is to think that your method is somehow, you know, always going to be better. Maybe it was better last year. Maybe it's been better, but the landscape shifts, the game shifts, you know? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think that, um, uh, we have only scraped the surface of what we're going to get into tonight, not only from dynasty, but from a redraft perspective, specifically the FFPC never too early best ball tournament, which Jared has several entries in and stuff that we're going to get into uh, tonight. That is going to help everybody who watches this become a better player in fantasy football in this season nine premiere of the HSLD. Uh, Jared's going to dish on which Detroit Lions running back is going to be a better value. We'll talk about their ADPs a little bit later in the Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament. We're going to talk about how to handle Keenan Allen, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, seemingly um, ageless receiver, or is he ageless? We'll get into that a little bit and much more. Um, let's kick things off tonight, Jared, in in um, this Never Too Early Tournament. You've played in it before. You've had success in this before. Um, you are playing in it again. What is it about this never too early tournament that that has you hooked and has you keep coming back uh, for for more action? Well, where else am I supposed to draft? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But it's uh, <clears throat> you know, compared to the bigger version of the same tournament that has a much bigger prize pool, uh, this one has a slightly different format, I believe, in that the advancement rate is a little bit better. I think three out of 12 teams advanced that first, uh, that first cut. And, and, you know, I mean, that's what improves your odds of advancement quite a bit. That's one reason that draws me to this specific tournament. Um, another probably bigger theme is I'm actually starting to move maybe a little bit more away from dynasty and more towards best ball uh, over the last couple of years. A lot of my portfolio has shifted in that direction uh, and is continuing to do so. Uh, I've always felt that, you know, despite my comments on not following college football, that I tend, I think that I tend to have an advantage over a lot of the crowd. Um, you know, and so these early drafts, uh, I do like to think that I have some sort of an advantage based on my understanding of the landscape, but it's, it's probably a fool's game. 
to think that. However, a hundred percent of my competition is more or less in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so people don't want to sort of, I don't know, talk smack about like, how can you be drafting this early? You're crazy. It's like, okay, but you understand every single one of my competitors is in the same exact situation. So unless you think you're more unlucky than your competition, it's, it's a fair split. It's even, you know, and, and there's no reason to think that my team is going to get snake bit any more or less than, than my opponents that I'm competing against. Um, you know, then I guess you get into questions about like roster construction and trying to, you know, I guess maybe hedge your bets or whatever, but, um, but I, I love the best ball format. I love the FFPC format. And, you know, this is the ticket in town right now that's drafting. So that that's definitely part of it. <laughs> I, yeah, and, and I think like, um, you know, the fact that like, I, and this is probably on me, but like when I sent out those FFPC mailers and, and, you know, when my buddy Aiden sends out the tweets, I think that we need to drive home the point of like, you can't play in this tournament after April 25th. Like this is yeah. going to cut off yeah. prior to the yeah. NFL draft. Everybody who's playing in this tournament is not going to have any kind of inside knowledge on right. where Caleb Williams is going to go, where Marvin Harrison's going to, like it's nobody knows. And I think that's, I don't want to say it's a crapshoot, but I think it makes it a lot more fun that way too. And if you do believe that you think that, okay, I know this guy's going here. I know this guy's going here. I'm really, really confident this guy's going to sign here. I think this team is going to let this guy go and he's going to sign here. Like th- this is this is all fantasy football 101, right? Like this yeah. is the stuff we're dealing with in August and September. It's just at a different, I don't want to say level, but it's at a different like um, uh, frequency at, at this point in the season because um, we don't know. But the great thing is nobody knows. And, and yeah. it's all about drafting and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess there's maybe a little bit of an advantage for people that draft after free agency kicks off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that this year free agency is maybe going to be a little bit busier and, and more eventful than in years past. I, I think I, I need to look at it closer, but I think that there's quite a few running backs uh, that are going to be churning around the, the depth starts of depth charts of the NFL this year. And uh you know, I don't think anybody can really say, oh, I think this guy's going to go there. This person's going to go there unless maybe there's some smoke and fire on some stories out there. But otherwise, it's more, I think, a question of here's a person that I think is going to, you know, that they're about to be a free agent. I think they're going to their talent dictates that they're going to have a prominent role somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think Antonio Gibson is a guy like that. There's some other names, but um you know, it, it is a crapshoot. It really is. So, you know, I guess trying to take your most informed bets, you know, your most informed guesses that you can. I mean, um, I don't expect the Chiefs star players to be mixed up too much. I don't expect the 49ers to get mixed up too much, you know. The, but there's other teams out there, and there's a lot of coaching changes. Yeah. Um, so... What, what right, about now, right now, a lot of it is just talent-driven, I think, in terms of the way we might go about drafting these best ball teams. I think that – okay, so that's that's important, number one. The other thing I want to bring up here is, and just to kind of bring everybody into this, Jared drafts in, in the main event, the fantasy approach. Like, you draft all throughout spring, summer, early fall, everything. 
Um, yeah. I'm kind of curious as to how your strategy changes or doesn't it change in this never too early best ball tournament? What's different about drafting now for you in the way that you approach it and the way you make your selections, player analysis, so on and so forth, as opposed to when you're drafting in July, August, or even September? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, it might not be as different as you might think. Uh, you know, obviously, we don't have as much of a picture of, of things now um, as we will later. So that also, like I said, that that serves your competition as well. In August and September, your competition is going to also have a much better picture of what's going on. Yep. You know, and and uh, you know, so so I think eight. Like I'm I'm kind of an ADP hawk. I watch ADP very close depending on you know like what format or league i'm in or whatever and i try to leverage it i try to use it to my advantage i try to look for okay where are the players that i think are values where are the players that i think are maybe not values who are the players that are maybe chalk that are worth having on your team but they're probably adequately priced um and then things like roster construction um one thing that's obvious, I, I guess, that it would change later in the year would be things like bye weeks and the week 17 correlations and things like that, you know. Um, you know, so maybe I build a stack of Chiefs or 49ers or, or what have you, but I don't know who they're going to be playing in week 17 yet, mm -hmm. um, so I don't care. But <laughs> in June, I would, or July or whatever. Like, by then I would know, and so those are things I would be thinking about. Um I guess one other strategy this time of year, because I know I'm going to be drafting all throughout the rest of the offseason and that that as time unfolds, my portfolio will grow uh, in terms of rostership of certain players. I, I know that I'm going to probably be, you know, if there's a time to be overweight on somebody, it's now. Um, yeah. You know, and, and if I decide that I am overweight on somebody, I'd rather 
make that change, you know, while there's still time before September, like, okay, I'm going to get off of this guy that I've been drafting a lot. And, you know, I'd rather not make that realization the first week of September, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, you know, and, and by the same token, on the other side of that, it's like if there's somebody that I have been avoiding, but not necessarily for any good reason, you know, I'm like, okay, I need to probably draft more of this. Like, you know, when the NFL draft hits in April, that'll or May or whatever, whatever it is this year, it'll be, you know, that's a huge inflection point and a time to reevaluate everything, look at my roster ship, look at, you know, who have I been heavier on, who have I been lighter on, and and do I want to go in other directions? ADP is going to start changing drastically as soon as the NFL draft hits. Um, what I see right now today for ADP, I suspect is not going to change a lot between now and when this tournament closes uh, at the end of April. Uh, there's going to be players that kind of rise during this next month and a half. There'll be players that drop, but I don't think it'll be anything dramatic unless there's some sort of news story that, that drives it. I want to, I, I know we touched on free agency. I want to put that aside just for a little bit. I want to focus on the rookies here. Sure. Um, this is a, so, so just, just for context sake, I was looking at NFL.com a few days ago, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, who works for the network posted his first two round. I believe it was Daniel Jeremiah. And if I'm misspeaking, I apologize. He posted his first two round mock draft of this season, two rounds, 64 picks. Jared, in those 64 picks, he had 14 receivers going off the board in the first two rounds, which is mind-blowing, right? Um, he's a respected guy. I don't know if there's going to be 14 players going, but the fact that somebody in the industry is saying this makes my ears perk up, and I'm like, okay, what's going on here for best ball drafting in January, February, March, and so on and so forth? Um rookies and we haven't even touched on the running backs and there's a couple there's one really good tight end in in this year's draft as well we don't know where these players are going to end up they could end up in fantastic situations they could end up in horrific situations knowing that and knowing how far the fluctuation goes with all these players how do you treat them in the never too early best ball tournament well you know i probably don't want to have too many rookies but uh I kind of I have a thing for rookie running backs, especially um, rookie re uh, receivers, though, are more hit and miss, um, you know, this time of year, especially in the later rounds. It's like, I mean, you could easily just draft a couple guys in the teens that might not even get drafted, mm -hmm. you know, or might not even make the teams that they get drafted to. Um, so unless I really have a much better drop on some specific names that I think are going to have roles, I'm probably just avoiding them for veterans. Um, however, you, I can't help but go back to the pandemic and some of the narratives and stories that came up in terms of the college ranks and, and how the pandemic affected what was going on in the college ranks. And in particular, in terms of, uh, there was sort of this prediction that the NFL would get flooded with extra talent that didn't quite get a chance to be seen like two or three years ago or, or something to that effect. So the argument was something to that effect. And I do think that it's possible we're going to see an influx of talent like we've never really seen before, mm. which happens almost every year anyway. I mean, we always get a ton of talent coming in. There's always a ton of churning. 
Now, if there's any truth to the idea that there's more of that this year, regardless of whether it's because of after effects of the pandemic or maybe it's just a good class, whatever, um, that's really, really difficult to make any sense out of here in February. Um, and so generally, unless there's somebody that hits my radar that I fall in love with a little bit, uh, or maybe based on roster construction, I'm like, you know what, I do need a receiver here late and this name, you know, I like the profile or whatever. It's, it's a good enough dart throw as anything Then maybe I'll pull the trigger, but, um, you know, then there's like second and third year receivers that might explode who I think kind of fit that same category. Like they, they may have kind of come out of this pandemic, you know, and, and been, um, not noticed as much as they would have in a regular year, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, but I do think there's some real values there with some second and third year vets in those later rounds. And so to weigh those against rookies, it's almost not even close. Mm. So you'd be more likely to take the guys that are, I don't want to say post hype sleepers, but some that would fit Something that like category. That, yeah. 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 Like a Josh uh, Downs or a Rashid Shahid. Sure. Um, for the three ways that you could go with rookies in this tournament, um, you could go heavy. I'm going to take a bunch of chances. A few of these guys will hit. I'm going to sprinkle them in, sprinkle them in sporadically. And I'm going to try to avoid them at all costs, unless I really feel like they're the best pick there. I feel like you're in that third category, right? Where, where you don't want to take a ton of risks. Like you'll take a few risks, but not go out of your way to do it. Yeah, that's generally true. Um, I, I still think roster construction maybe drives more of this than anything else. Um, you know, if I really I like running backs, especially, I'm going to be less shy about taking a rookie. Um, rookie receivers, I might be a bit more shy. Rookie tight ends, even more shy. Uh, but yeah, it really does kind of depend on the build um, quite a bit. And and yeah, at this juncture in February, I'm going to probably lead on that third category like you said let's talk about some specific players here um and i'm going to kick things off with rashad white um sure. this is one of the more compelling things because white had a really really good 2023 um but we don't know what's going to happen in that backfield are they going to keep the same players there are they going to add to it um rashad white is one of the more I, polarizing is the wrong word but he's one of the more interesting players to try to figure this out because right now he's the 10th running back on average off the board, according to fantasy mojo at fantasy mojo on X fantasy mojo on Twitter, Darren Armani, the godfather of the uh, fantasy uh, football players championship pros versus Joe's make sure you are subscribing to FantasyMojo.com, an invaluable resource. If you're playing in the FFPC running back 10 at the three Oh nine, he is going basically a full round behind HN Barkley and ETN. And he is going nearly a full round ahead of Isaiah Pacheco and James Cook. Um, is RB10 at the end of the third round, does, is that a good price for him? Because he's really on his own island here, Jared. Like there is yeah. no other running back going by him. Yeah, you're right. I'm glad you brought him up. I was actually hoping we'd talk about him. Um, yeah, I think he is maybe a perfect example of a chalk player. I think he's adequately, appropriately priced. Um, I think maybe Pacheco and Cook are underpriced, but that's a different question. Uh, 
but yeah, no, I mean, you know, so the thing is he hasn't had a very good yards per carry over the last couple of years. And so you, I know you hesitated to say polarizing, but there are a lot of haters. There are yes. a lot of Sean white haters. And I think it's because of his yards per carry, but I mean, what's the narrative on the bucks offense is in terms of their weak point. That's been going on for a couple of years. Everybody says it like a thousand times a day, their offensive line, their offensive line has been a problem. So I don't know how you can criticize his yards per carry when the offensive line has been so bad. Yet that being said, Baker Mayfield in that offense really did incredibly well last year. He was the bell cow. He got, I think he got 64 catches. Uh, you know, he's a great receiver out of the backfield, which I mean, look, a bell cow that gets that many targets, you can't ask for more than that in the third, late yeah. third round. Uh, and particularly if you decided to start like wide receiver, wide receiver, or, you know, if that's your first running back, that's a great spot. Um, but I do think that, you know, this is the reading the landscape thing. I, I do think that the odds are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization hits their offensive line hard this offseason. That's clearly the area that they need the most help in. If they were to actually accomplish that, Who's to say maybe Rashad White's a league winner next year? I don't see competition coming in and threatening his job at all. I see competition coming in because it's the NFL and everybody needs running backs and they're going to bring in more running backs because that's what teams do. But I think they love him. I don't see anybody taking the job from him outside of injury or, you know, some crazy like disciplinary thing that might happen. Um, so I, I really like his price there at the end of the third round, RB10. I could easily see him finishing higher than that, but um, but like I said, I, I think that's appropriately rated price, and I'm probably going to have a fair amount of him in terms of you know those players that I consider chalk. I think it's interesting that I, after the regular season ended, um, I was of the opinion like, okay, well, I missed out on Rashad White this year. Had him in a couple leagues. I won't have him in any leagues next year right. because he's going to be going way too high. And then I see right now, End of the third round. Um, and and that makes me think like, okay, he's a buy at that point. And then, Jared, the question is, after free agency, the first couple waves have ended. After the NFL draft is over. If Tampa hasn't really dedicated significant assets to this, right. then how high does Rashad White go? Like, that's my concern. White is a guy to get now because I don't know how high he's going to get, potentially, yeah. if things go his way in, in the player personnel section. Of, uh, yeah. yeah, and I think that that's the strategy to leverage with these early tournaments is to to look for those players that you think that very thing is going to happen where the wisdom of the crowd is hesitant right now because of whatever questions they might have in their mind. But then when it comes to fruition that that doesn't play out that way, yeah, the price is going to go up. Um, I, I could name half a dozen other guys that I think are just like way too low right now based on what I think is that fear from the crowd and for ADP to just not quite adjust itself yet. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes time, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm a Rashad white believer. I want to talk about um, a couple of lions running backs here and find out if you're a believer in either one of these, both of them or, or neither um, Jameer Gibbs right now in the never too early best ball tournament ADP is going off the board at uh, running back four, believe it or not, uh, running back four for Jameer Gibbs at the 110. David Montgomery, his cohort in the backfield, is not coming off the board until the 705 at running back 22. This is a deep 
yawning chasm of six rounds separating yeah. these two players. Yeah. Um, when you consider draft value, which one is the guy you'd rather have? Is it the upside and the potential um, uh, huge season for Jameer Gibbs? Or is it the undervaluedness? And yeah, I made up that word. The undervaluedness of David Montgomery here in the mid seventh after 21 other running backs are off the board, man. Yeah. I mean, I think just in a bubble, I pretty much have to say Montgomery because of the difference in price. Um, you know, I do think that uh, they're going to continue to run the ball a lot. They're going to give the ball to both those guys a lot. The difference in the value here is too great to ignore. I like Gibbs though. In the first round, I do think he could be a huge, huge, producer this year and and i do think it's possible that montgomery is only adequately priced mm. uh i might not necessarily pull the trigger on him there even though like i say in a bubble between those two backs i i, I kind of have to pick montgomery there i don't hate him there in the seventh i think it's great value um i'm not sure it's league winning value i'm not sure it's a like I, I don't necessarily see myself taking Montgomery over a DeAndre Hopkins or a Brian Thomas Jr., one of the rookies I do like, or Jordan Addison. Um, you know, I, I think that it's unlikely I would take a running back right there. Um, even though, I mean, I, I, let me hedge that by saying I, I probably will take some Montgomery here and there, but it's not going to be my favorite pick. What, what about um, just, just getting back to the Gibbs conversation? If you are on the clock at the 110 in a never-too-early best ball tournament draft, McCaffrey, Hall, and Robinson are all off the board. And I mean, would you – like how seriously are you considering Gibbs at the 110? Or would you rather go with the – well, you could go – like he, these are some of the receivers going after Gibbs on average. Nakua, A.J. Brown, Garrett Wilson, D.J. Moore. Running backs uh, that are going right yeah. after him, Kyron Williams and Jonathan Taylor. How seriously would you consider Jameer Gibbs at the 110 if he's staring you in the face when you're on the clock? Um, out of all of those names that you just listed, I would take Gibbs first, with the exception of Puka Nakua. I would take him over Gibbs. Yeah. Uh, but I also think it's close to a coin flip. And, you know, from a portfolio standpoint, I'm going to have some of both in that same exact decision spot. Um, but I like him better than AJ Brown. I like him better than Garrett Wilson. Um, I think him and Jonathan Taylor are probably a coin flip. I could go either way with those. AJ Brown, just real quick. I know this wasn't on the show run now. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about him this season. And he's a guy that looked like a world beater for the first two thirds of 2023 year and then after that i don't know what's going on with him and sirianni i don't know what what's going on with him and the eagles and hurts yeah. but but it's been totally different and i thought there'd be a little bit of a discount on aj brown wide receiver seven he's still a first round pick i'm staying away from him jared i wouldn't say i'm staying away from him i've drafted him here and there i've seen him last a little bit later into the second and so there is the idea of like well what if i wait you know and get mm -hmm. him later um I guess I'm not quite so concerned about whatever is going on there in Philly with him. Okay. Um, but, you know, uh, I love the combination of AJ Brown and any of those other names, but with him, I think you can maybe wait. I've seen him. I mean, I've seen people take him right there, like at 109, 110, et cetera, but I've also seen him last like 204, 205. And uh, so 
if you do want AJ Brown, I think that there's at least a chance to get him in the second. Yeah. And that would make perfect. I mean, that's like the DJ Moore, HN, Barkley, ETN territory as well uh, for, for players to consider around Brown. If he slips there, I, th- I think then it becomes a little bit more palatable. Um, speaking of receivers, Keenan Allen, my God, if, if I could um, go back over the last five or six years uh, and buy one jersey of the player I've owned the most, it's probably Keenan Allen. Um, I've loved him. I've loved starting him in, in leagues. I've loved the, the, the output every single week. 10, 11, 12 catches is the norm. Yeah. Uh, 90, 100, 110 plus yards is the norm. Like I loved deploying him in my starting lineups. Um, but he is getting older. The injuries are getting more prevalent. Um, they do have Quentin Johnston, and I know he's a polarizing guy, Mike Williams. I don't know if he's going to be around with the Chargers uh, this coming year because of salary cap situations. But they have a new quarterback, a uh, new uh, coach uh, who used to be a quarterback, and a new offensive coordinator. Um, Keenan Allen is slipping now to the 402. You can get Keenan Allen, the PPR monster, in the early fourth round of this tournament. Is that a place that you want to saddle up and ride with Allen, or are you concerned with drafting a player of his experience, his age, his injury history with a high fourth round pick? A couple of different ways to look at this, Jared. Okay. Yeah. So two things. First of all, I'm absolutely not concerned about his age or health whatsoever. Um, but second, he is a player, like you said, he's one of your most highly owned players over the last five yeah. years. He's probably one of my least owned, but, really? not, but not because I don't like him, not because I don't want him on my teams. He's just one of those guys that for whatever reason slips between the cracks of my boards and ADP. And I don't end up with him on a lot of my teams. And it's not even because I don't like his price over the years. It's just, he's just one of those guys that like falls through the cracks for me. And I've almost universally always told myself I need to have more Keenan Allen on my teams. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I can come up with a single negative thing to say. Mike Williams, I don't think is gonna be around anymore. I think he's, you know, more or less done. Um uh the rookie last year, Quentin Johnston, I think he's a full bust. Um, you know, and then I think Josh Palmer will, will continue to emerge. I think that they have some problems there, and I think that Keenan Allen is a stud he's he's got the kind of game that can translate to being productive through his 30s um and that he's going to continue to be so you know he, he's one of those guys that i'm putting an asterisk next to and being like i need to figure out how to fit him into some more of my lineups i love herbert um you know eckler is going in like the freaking ninth or tenth round or something crazy <laughs> like that. i don't know what his story is but i need to look into that because i don't quite get that um, maybe he is washing out too, but I think they just maybe had a bad year. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, I'm definitely uh, in favor of Keenan Allen there in the early fourth. Uh, just kind of got to figure out where and how to build some stacks with him. So I, I, we are burying the lead when it comes to the Chargers. Austin Eckler was what a mid first round pick the majority of last season, and, and now deservedly so. Yeah, it I, I, absolutely. Now I'm looking at the never too early best ball tournament ADP right now. Austin Eckler has indeed gone as late as the 908. He is going on average. Now this is a guy. He's not recovering from an ACL, not a torn Achilles, not anything debilitating. This is a guy that was going in the mid first round last year on average. Now 
the 7-11 as yeah. running back 24. Even yeah. if you hate Austin Eckler, Jared. Right. My God, we need to be all over him at this price, right? I think so, and I haven't done it. You know, I'm like, but <laughs> but it's staring right at me, you know, and uh, yeah, I find it hard to believe that he's washed up. I think they just had a bad year. Herbert got hurt. Their coach was kind of awful, and I don't know. I mean, like, it just it happens. Um, I, I think this is one of those, you know, anti-wisdom of the crowd situations where the hatred based on how badly people got burned last year is what's driving this right and um you know again that's it's a this is the time of year to take advantage of it maybe by september he's back to the third or fourth round or something because the crowd comes back to their senses do you ever find yourself capitalizing on stuff like that where yeah. where you, you can't you can't fathom a reason for a player dropping as far as he did other than the fact that okay clearly everybody drafted this guy in the first or second round he stunk. He didn't finish as a top 10 player, a top 15 player at his position. That's the only reason he's going this late. And even if you don't like him, you can't say no to the value, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that happens every single year and perhaps gets even more pronounced from year to year in terms of like how many new fantasy players there are and just the volume of, you know, when you talk about the wisdom of the crowd, you're talking about millions and millions of draft data points, you know? or at least over the course of the off season. I mean, we're here in February, so there's not quite as big of a sample, but uh, clearly people hate Eckler. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. Um, you know, who's nobody is hating right now. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but not a lot of people are hating on it's Justin Jefferson. I think this is interesting because he is right around the first or second receiver. He's right up there with CD lamb and quite frankly, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. As the first receiver off the board. But the difference is, like, we know Tyreek Hill is going to be catching passes from Tua Tungabailoa. We know CeeDee Lamb is going to be catching passes from Dak Prescott. What we don't know is who the Minnesota quarterback is going to be next year. Is it going to be Kirk Cousins? Is it going to be a rookie? Is it going to be, you know, somebody already on the roster? Is it going to be somebody that they're going to sign? You know, there, there's a lot of different ways that Minnesota can go with this. So with the uncertainty regarding the Vikings quarterback situation, where does Justin Jefferson land for you if you are drafting um, a receiver in the first round? Is he the first guy off the board, second, third, or is he even later than that for you, Jared? Uh, I've got him number four right now for receivers, um, but I also don't have any issue whatsoever with somebody that wants to take him number one. Um, so they're bunched up. They're all bunched up, yes. right? Yeah, I'm a Tyreek Hill guy. I've got him number one. Uh, I had him number one last year. Um I don't have any issue with Jefferson though. And I don't, I don't, I'm not too concerned about cousins or whoever they might, you know, whoever might play quarterback. I think Jefferson is a matchup proof quarterback proof type player that you put a scrub. And this is the NFL. I mean, put a scrub quarterback in there. You're still talking about one of the best quarterbacks on the planet. Um, they're going to target Jefferson heavily. Um, and I think he's going to be open. He's going to make catches, but you know, it's certainly a valid concern and, you know, all other things being equal, I'm going to lean towards Tyreek or CD or Jamar Chase. Uh, but gosh, you know, I mean, Jefferson is true. He might be the very best receiver in the league uh, and just in terms of talent, you know, but for fantasy, 
Um, I, you know, I've got them right there in that group. And, and again, it, it, it's the portfolio management perspective where I'm going to make sure to have some teams with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't know, maybe I'll try to hit him at 103 or 104 or something. So you have him number four amongst receivers, um, which is close, but you still have him ahead of guys like Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, Puka Nakua, AJ Brown, who we talked about earlier, right? And that's because of the quarterback, uh, the quarterback proofness, uh, as it were. I don't know. That's you know. I mean, I think I could get myself to be convinced that either of those guys, Amon Ra or Puka, could finish higher. Um, this, I think, is maybe more about ADP. Okay. You know, I want to make I want to make sure to have a couple teams with each of these guys, and I'm not going to reach for Amon Ra at 102 when I know I can get him in the middle of the round. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I probably would reach for like maybe Chase or Lamb or something, um, or Tyreek. I get it, and that makes perfect sense. And you you have to play the field as well as playing the person or playing the the player that you're drafting, which I totally get. Um, I looked over a couple of your never too early uh, best ball drafts that are going on right now, and I thought this is interesting. So in one of them, you have a Kelsey Mahomes Rice stack. Okay. Yep. And then in another, I saw, and this is t- difficult to do, but you pulled it off. I know, dude. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Brock Purdy. You have all four of those guys. And I think this is interesting because these are the two teams that are going up five, against each other five. in the Super Bowl this week. I got five. You got five? Who's the other niner? You didn't have McCaffrey, did you? I got McCaffrey. I got Ayuk. What? I got, I got all oh, five of them. Oh, my. Mind is blown. One, two, three. I went McCaffrey, Ayak, and Debo. And then I got Purdy and Kittle at the four and five. I, I, I'm blown yeah, away. Yeah, I know. I was surprised. I, I didn't expect to see that either, you know. Um, I mean, how did I, I? I don't know how I was looking at this and I missed the McCaffrey aspect. Maybe because I thought it didn't, it wasn't even possible. Because he always is 101 and it's just <laughs> like, you know, it's just you're just used to seeing the McCaffrey out there. Okay. So let's, let's talk. <laughs> let, yeah, you're right. Let's talk about this Niner aspect first before we talk about stacking. You sure. get McCaffrey to slip to you. You get all the – and, like, at what point where you're like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, get the most Niner stack of all time here. At what point did that kick in for you in that draft? Well, I guess at the 211, I mean, I'm like, okay, Ayak and Debo are both on the board. I could also grab Kittle, but he often slips. People are kind of low on Kittle this year. Mm-hmm. The tight end field is actually quite interesting, I think. But – um you know, I was like, well, why wouldn't I go ahead and grab Ayak and Debo with McCaffrey right here? Like, I don't even necessarily care what happens in the fourth round. I'm at least going to do these three and then just see what happens. I, You know, I don't know. I don't really go into any kind of draft, any format with any real set plan. I, I like to let drafts fall to me. I like to pivot as I go or at least, you know, read the board and, and, and make informed decisions. But that one was too easy. Yeah, well, that that is brilliant. My friend. I saw somebody else do it too. I saw somebody else go McCaffrey, Ayak, and Deep, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's talk about this um, from the never too early aspect. Um, how does stacking change in this tournament? Does it not change for you? Like, if you're drafting in the best ball tournament or any other best ball tournaments with the FFPC, you know, after April 25th. Is there any, like, do you treat stacking any different in those types of tournaments as opposed to this one? Well, like I said, I'm going to look at the week 17 matchups, um, you know, later on. And so now that's just not a concern. Although I guess, although I guess they're trying to 
do more division matchups for the last games of the seasons. Seems like it, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. If I've got a Kansas City stack, I guess I could think about, you know, like, well, like the Chargers or something. But, uh, yeah, I'm not giving as much attention to that stuff in these early drafts. Um, At the top of the board, though, I am. Um, You know, and if you're going to stack, I mean, why not stack the best offenses, right? Like, Mm -hmm. or, or perhaps ones that are sneaky cheap. I mean, the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs don't fit that bill, but there's perhaps other stacks that are later that you might build much cheaper. Um, but, I mean, you know, right now <laughs> I'm just crossing my fingers because Chiefs 49ers this weekend, you know, like I, I'd like to see everybody make it out of that healthy. Um, you know, it's obviously a long ways away until next season, and I'm already drafting teams now, but they are uh, they still got a game here in a few days. So, and, and so the Elijah Mitchell, Juwan Jennings picks, those are coming down the road on that team, right? That's the Niners team, I would assume. Yeah, I'd have to look at that board, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or at least possibly. Um, right, yeah. I think um, that uh, it would certainly be special if, if, like, you pulled that off and had all these Niners and then ended up winning the 25K, that would be that would be a story to tell, which you will retell on sure these airways for, for sure. Yeah, sure um, what about um, – this is the third year, I believe, that the FFPC has done the never-too-early tournament. Um, we get more and more players into this every single year, um, players that have never done it before, players who you know don't want to wait until July or August to draft teams. They want to get drafting right away. Um, for anyone who's drafting in this contest, Jared, for anybody who has never drafted in this contest but are finally uh, breaking the seal and, and playing in it this year, if you were to offer them some advice uh, from – from your perspective, your experience of playing in this multiple years now, what's the one thing they absolutely need to make sure that they do or make sure that they don't do in this never too early best ball tournament? Well, I think most everything is driven by roster construction. Uh, that might mean different pe- different things to different people, but I mean, ultimately the balance, you know, between the different positions. I mean, Uh, I've heard people make the argument that you can win one of these things with just one quarterback. So during a bye week, you would take a zero or like maybe, you know, you go super light. Um, I don't believe in taking zeros. So, um, you you know, I do think that balance is a thing. And so you got to be aware of what the board looks like. You Mm -hmm. gave out the plug earlier for fantasymojo.com. I would, I would also echo that. Make sure you understand what, like ADP looks like out there and have an idea of what to expect. You don't want to be the, um, you know, the proverbial music chairs game where you're the one left without a good tight end, or you're the one left without a good second quarterback, et cetera. Um, you know, maybe do some of the, maybe do a couple of the $35 uh, super flex ones, even though you're, you're drafting a second quarterback or whatever, you're still going to get a pretty good idea of what the board looks like and, and where players are going. Um, you know, and, and so, and so just, you know, I, I think that that's all you really need to know. I think the stacking stuff is interesting, but it becomes less important to talk about until after, um, the NFL draft and we know the schedules and, and the, you know, depth charts much better. Uh, otherwise I say, just follow your instinct. You know, you're not trying to beat the NFL scouts and the NFL brain trust. You're just trying to beat your league mates. Right. You know, and it's just it's just head from accounting and these other bozos that you got to beat. 
um, good, good reference there, by the way. Um, tight ends this year. Al Paul, who's hanging out watching us on YouTube, he said uh, one thing that you need to know is, is to learn the tight end landscape. I'm looking yeah. at uh, the mojo right now. Do you feel like there's tight end is a deeper position than it was the last few years uh, this year in 2024? I do. Uh, that That is one of the first big takeaways that I think I am learning this offseason, just sort of trying to read the tea leaves, read the boards. There's a lot of great tight ends, I think, out here. And uh, some of them are going, like Kelsey's going much cheaper than he ever has. And I think part of that's because well, he's older, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's some mystery and, and fear about whether he'll really come back or not. I think, <laughs> well, I think the Taylor Swift thing could change the story, but um, I think with the prime Mahomes as his quarterback, he wants to re- rewrite the record books and why not ride out the end of his career with a prime Mahomes for as long as he possibly can. So I, I, you know, I think this next year we can expect Kelsey to be his normal Kelsey self outside of injury. Um, and uh, yeah, the wheels could fall off, but he's going in the middle late second round and that also, I think, will change by the time we get closer to September. He is going as, and I can't remember the last time this has happened, but he's tight end two at, yeah. on average at the 212, basically about a half round, well, maybe about two-thirds of a round after Sam Laporta, who's going at the 203, and he's going about a half round before uh, Trey McBride at the 304, 305. Boy, I, I'll tell you what. Um, I know it seems weird, and I guess I should have expected this, but thinking about Travis Kelsey in his heyday, Jared, I never thought that he would eventually be sandwiched between Sam Laporta and Trey McBride in yeah. the past. But that's that's the reality of the situation right now, which is fine. Those guys are studs, though. They've emerged. They are studs, yeah. And, and you got Dalton Kincaid out there. You got Evan Ingram, Najoku. I guess Bowers is the rookie that everybody's hot about. I think what Ferguson did in Dallas is impressive. I think what Komet did in Chicago has shown more yep. of a connection there. TJ Hawkinson, unfortunately, got super hurt, and I hope he bounces back. Um, I think how do you Pitts, treat him in drafts right now? He's going at the six eleven, Jared. I think that's too early. I can't make sense of it because I generally don't draft players that are coming off of big injuries like that. Right. Yeah. Even though I know he might perfectly be capable of of coming back from it, I, I'm avoiding. I think Pitts is actually a post hype sleeper that's going too low. They finally got rid of Arthur Smith. I mean, insert any coach not named Arthur Smith, and he's going to get more targets. Um, I think he was kind of hurt last year a little bit too. And, uh, you know, then you got guys like Dallas Goddard in the eighth round. I mean, right. even, even Waller could still be a bounce back candidate. Candidate. I mean, there, there's a lot of other guys here. And um, I think that it's a landscape, the tight end landscape, that is definitely deeper than it's been in a long time. Darren Waller, tight end 19 right now, which yeah. to me is is crazy town banana pants. Then you have a guy like Cole Komet. Think about the season Komet had in Chicago yeah. last year. Quiet, but effective. And he's not even being drafted as a starter. He's the 14th tight end off the board. Dallas Goddard, I haven't crunched the numbers, but on a per-game basis, you're telling me that per-game he wasn't good enough to be in the top 12 of fantasy football yeah. uh, players' championship tight ends? Like, that that's bizarre to me. And then, yeah, yeah, and then you, you talk about the Kittle hate. Evan Engram is up there, obviously, with his big, you know, hundred plus catch season. But it's it's a weird it's a weird landscape. But it's a deep landscape, and I'm here for yeah. it. I think it's going to be yeah. fun. 
Kittle is another guy I like to mention too, because like there's just so many weapons in San Francisco. I think most of whatever is driving his ADB down is based on that. It's based on the fact that there's too many, there, there's so many yeah. mouths to feed. But in best ball format, like he's a guy that's still going to have those blow up weeks. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think it's a different question in a best ball tournament like this than maybe, you know, like a standard redraft or dynasty or something like where, you know, you're, you're sort of forced to choose between starting him or not. Um, I think George, I've seen George Kittle go as late as the sixth round in this thing. And I think that's a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the t- tight end premium format, George Kittle in the mid sixth round, sign me up. That's, that's something you, that's something you screenshot and you send it to your mother saying, mom, I'm about to win $25,000. The FFPC, let's figure out how to spend this. Um, last question for you, a player that you're trying to get on a bunch of your never too early teams right now, Jared. And then a player that you're trying to stay away from at least until the end of this tournament. Um, you know, we'll see what happens after that, but a player that you don't want on your teams right now. Well, I kind of mentioned TJ Hawkinson, like the injury thing usually throws me off. I also try to think about like maybe veterans that uh, could theoretically be replaced. Um, Alvin Kamara is probably a guy I'm avoiding. Um, uh, I think Joe Mixon could be a casualty oh, in, in yep. somewhere. Um, although he could also be very valuable somewhere else too, so it's kind of hard. He might be a good price in the fifth round, but I'm kind of avoiding him. I, I, a guy I do like a lot, I'm trying to get in as many leagues as I can, is Drake London, uh, kind of the, for the same reasons behind Kyle Pitts. I just insert any coach into there, and there's going to be a lot more passing targets to go around. The quarterback situation is the big question mark there and in Atlanta, and I think that's largely what's holding their ADP back. If April comes along, May comes along, and we decide Atlanta has a quarterback that we believe in or that has a future, their ADP is going to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I'm looking at what these a, boards here. Just real quick, Bijan Robinson running back three at the 107. Too high, too low, or as Goldilocks would say, just right. Just right. Okay. Yeah, I like him there. I think the, uh, the the Pitts thing is great because I think Kyle Pitts is going to be one of these rare players in the FFPC. And, you know, this is a little bit of a hot take. He is going to be uber polarizing literally every single year of his career in the NFL. Pitts, he's he's yeah. batting a thousand yeah. so far. Either you love him or you hate him every single year. Uh, Devin Achain or Achain, however you say it in, in Miami, I think he's a guy I'm going to try to have on as many teams as possible there in the second round. I think he could be somebody that we're talking about as a top four or five pick next year mm-hmm. or following year. Yeah. Achain's interesting too, because you think about what he could have been had he avoided injury this year and had Raheem Mostert not gone on the non steroid steroid tour of what he was able to accomplish in 2023. Like that's going to come back down to earth and eight chance 206 right now. Yeah. 206 is running back seven that, I mean, you know, that's high, but that might be too low with when it comes down to it. When, when we look back on this a year from now, I think that's, there's a lot of players out here that are, that are certainly fun to look at. Um, Jared Hines. Wow. What, what, ground did we cover tonight my goodness this is a couple of marathons we got through tonight with a lot of different players running backs receivers tight ends we will continue to follow you on the x at ship underscore chaser 
Uh, you have had a banner year um, in Dynasty, best ball. Um, of course, the 2019 FPC third place overall finish. Congratulations and kudos to you, sir. Um, and bigger things probably uh, on tap and in store for you in uh, 2024. Keep up the great work, dude. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. And enjoy drafting season and the Super Oh, before I let you go, Super Bowl prediction. Give me a final score. Oh, man, I'm really pulling for a Chiefs smackdown because um, I might win <laughs> a ton of money if that happens. So I'm going to say like 24 to 13 Chiefs over the Niners. 24, 13 Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to win as well. Um, I don't really have a – like I don't really care who wins. Like I'm not financially motivated at this point of of what I want to see yet, but I think the Chiefs are going to win. So I'm with you on that. I'm pulling for that. I don't actually think that. I think the- You think the Niners are going to win? I don't know, man. I, I'm actually really looking forward to it. I think this might be one of the best Super Bowls we've ever had. The, all be. year long, I've been telling myself this Niners team is like the team, but the Chiefs have gotten hot at the right time, and yep. like Mahomes seems like his you know best self right now. So it it comes back down to me, like in in matchups like this where it's very very close, where I think the Niners have a really, I think both teams are really good. Yeah. But I ask myself, who has the better head coach? who has the better quarterback. And to me, that's Kansas city in, in both of yep. those uh, regards. So we'll yep. see what happens. Uh, Bill Hollywood loves your um, prediction because that, that would, <laughs> that would hit a square in a super bowl squares competition. So, so hopefully you're right, Jared. Um, thank you again. I'm going to let you enjoy your Tuesday night. Uh, we'll do this again real soon. Good luck and enjoy drafting season, my friend. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks a lot, bud. You Take got care. it. That, that's you too. Jared Hines, ladies and gentlemen, you follow him on the X at ship underscore chaser. One of the more successful early, uh, early draft season drafters that we have in the FFPC. So hopefully you took everything to heart that he said tonight because he knows what he's talking about. For more on that, at ship underscore chaser on the X. Uh, that is going to wrap up the season nine premiere of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Can't believe we're in nine seasons already. Um, we will go live. We're getting, we're going monthly until the start of the NFL season. So we will not be live again until Tuesday, March 5th at 10 o'clock PM. That is probably going to be a dynasty centric show. So if you play dynasty fantasy football, you don't want to miss that. Go to myffpc.com to play in those never too early best ball tournaments that we focused on tonight. Two tournaments are going to run through or excuse me, all the way up until the NFL draft. They'll conclude on April 25th. They're open right now. Best ball slim rules. There's no kickers and defenses in this 20 round draft, 14 week regular season, 15 through 17 weeks, uh, week 15 through 17, I should say, are going to be the single elimination playoffs. And then the champion is crowned after week 17 drafts are available now with a 30 second, 60 second, two hour and six hour clocks. Uh, you can check that out and take your shot at a $25,000 grand prize at just a $125 entry fee at myffpc.com. And if you like Superflex, you can play Superflex as well. The Superflex Never Too Early Tournament, a $10,000 grand prize at just a $35 entry fee. So do go ahead, take your shot at those tournaments right now, myffpc.com, myffpc.com. And while you're there, we got a plenty of Dynasty Orphan teams available, some as low as $1 there. You could pick up a 1250 750 500 250 team, whatever you want. I think there's uh, – I, I, I should I, – I guess I should check before I say this, but I believe there are dollar options at all of those levels. So take your shot at that and uh, and rebuild the team and start your dynasty today 
with Dynasty Fantasy Football uh, Football at myffpc.com. 1,300-plus Dynasty Leagues over the last decade. Not a single one has ever folded, myffpc.com. Uh, numerous squads have already had their entry fees lowered for 2024. Take advantage now. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on the video, share it with your friends and enemies, and get notified anytime we go live, which will be again this coming Thursday on the Better Sports Network, as well as the FFPC socials. Dan Williamson, the overhyped sleeper, the newly signed free agent to player profiler, is going to join me from 7 to 9 on BTN. And then uh, Friday night, Farrell Elliott and myself, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, will be live on this channel as well at 10 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for watching, everybody. For you Rotoviz subscribers, we will be back a month from today. Thanks so much for watching. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.